Welcome to the Thinking Faith podcast, a collection of talks and Q&A that address the big questions we're all asking about God, life and purpose. Thanks so much, Pastor Tim, and thank you all for a very kind and, and gracious welcome. It's always such a blessing to be amongst uh, friends at, at Hope Singapore. So it's lovely to see you all again, uh, a few familiar faces, lots of unfamiliar faces, which is even more exciting. Um, and yes, thank you for your kind welcome uh, and your hospitality today. I'm here to talk to you about a difficult question, about a difficult tension, about an ongoing arm wrestle between two things that we all like, truth and harmony. Which one's more important? How do we choose? How do we make sense of the tension between the two? And how ultimately do we decide which one the Bible actually points to for the Christian and for the non-Christian who's exploring, who's searching, who's thinking through these issues? Some of you will have seen uh, a recent Netflix movie. It was nominated you know, for an Academy Award called Don't Look Up. And the plot of that movie was about an asteroid, or a series of asteroids, I think, that were hurtling towards planet Earth, and if they made impact, would destroy all of humankind, would just destroy our planet. And at the beginning of the movie, in fact, most of the movie, is an exploration of the different responses to this threat, this existential threat to planet Earth. Some people are taking the the evidence very, very seriously that this is a threat, we have to deal with it, we have to do whatever we can to destroy these asteroids. Some big business interests are trying to work out how they can make money from it. It turns out there are some minerals and some oil on the asteroid. They want to land on it and mine it before they destroy it. There are others who say that it doesn't even exist, that it's all just a myth, that it's all been invented. But there's one very interesting response. It's only given a couple of seconds in the movie, and it's actually presented in a way that it's quite derogatorily treated. It's kind of mocked as kind of a stupid way to understand it. But it's the guy who is trying to harmonize and bring into harmony all of the different views. And basically his view is, let's not fight about this. Everyone's got a different opinion, and that's okay. And he's basically saying that all of these different opinions about this existential threat to planet Earth are okay. He's trying to harmonize everything and avoid the conflict and just bring everyone together in what seems to be a very loving and reasonable way. It's interesting because it reflects this tension and this question that I'm here to talk to you about this morning. Truth or harmony? Harmony or truth? Which one's more important? Which one do we have to choose? And I'm going to read a passage from the Gospel of Luke, where Jesus speaks directly to this issue. And if you're anything like me, this this can be a pretty uncomfortable passage to listen to. Because the choice between truth and harmony is an uncomfortable choice. Most of us, if not all of us, don't really want conflict. We're not out there looking for conflict. We like harmony. Harmony is something that the human heart and the human mind likes and gravitates towards. At the same time, we like the idea of truth. We don't like lies. Truth is another yearning of the human heart. So we don't like having to make this choice. And Jesus comes in pretty hard here. He comes in pretty hard. He comes in all guns blazing. And and Jesus does this from time to time, but this is one of the great examples of kind of Jesus unplugged and completely uncensored here. So as you deal with this, as you listen to this passage, I'm going to try to unpack it for us. But It's okay if it makes you uncomfortable, 
It's okay if it's a bit confusing. Even if it offends a little bit and agitates and causes a bit of discomfort, I think that's the idea. So just try and resist the urge, if you don't like what you're hearing, to kind of walk up on stage and slap me in the face or anything like that. We've, we've had enough of that, I think, over the last week or two. So these are Jesus' words, not my words. But we're in Luke chapter 12, and I'm going to read from verse 49. So if you have your Bible, or if you have your Bible device or app open, come with me to Luke 12, verses 49 and following. I'm going to read uh, from 49 to the end of verse 56, verse 57, sorry. So just keep this open if you've got your Bible or Bible devices. Jesus speaking. I have come to bring fire on the earth, and how I wish it were already kindled. But I have a baptism to undergo, and how distressed I am until it is completed. Do you think I came to bring peace on earth? No, I tell you, but division. From now on, there will be five in one family divided against each other, three against two and two against three. They will be divided father against son and son against father, mother against daughter and daughter against mother, mother mother-in-law against daughter-in-law and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. He said to the crowd, when you see a cloud rising in the west, immediately you say, it's going to rain, and it does. And when the south wind blows, you say, it's going to be hot, and it is. Hypocrites. You know how to interpret the appearance of the earth and the sky. How is it that you don't know how to interpret this present time? Why don't you judge for yourselves what is right? Difficult, difficult words. Difficult words, words from Jesus himself, saying that he's, gonna, he's come to bring division. It almost seems counterintuitive. Isn't the reason Jesus came to bring peace? Isn't that what the angel said? When Jesus was born, peace and goodwill to all of humankind. Isn't he come to be a bridge builder? And now he's here saying that he has come to bring division. So we have to find a way to make sense of this in the broader context, not just of the Bible, but also of the human longing for truth and harmony. Jesus is speaking exactly into, directly into this tension, the tension between truth and harmony. And so I want to deal with this using three kind of subtopics, if you like. First of all, the search for harmony. Secondly, the need for division. And thirdly, the hope for truth. The search for harmony, the need for division, and the hope for truth. Now, the search for harmony is not difficult to establish. It's kind of deep down in all of us. And I was born in Sri Lanka, so I'm South Asian ethnically, um, and as most of you have grown up in a primarily Asian cultural context and an Asian cultural background, and harmony is not just an Asian ideal, but I feel like we Asians are particularly strong on harmony. We don't like conflict, we don't like stirring things up for no particular reason, disturbing the peace. We prefer to just keep things cohesive and harmonious, at the very least, on the surface. And yet into this ideal Jesus comes in, and he says, just rereading a couple of the verses from verse 51, do you think I came to bring peace on earth? No, I tell you, but division. From now on, there will be five in one family divided against each other. He's promising division. He's saying that he has come to become a catalyst for disharmony. What is going on here? Jesus is coming in, cloaked in love, 
preaching peace. The Prince of Peace is literally saying, I have come to bring disharmony. I've come to bring division. What we can read from this, when we think about how the word harmony actually plays out in our day-to-day lives, is that there has to be more to human fulfilment and flourishing than just harmony. In fact, the word harmony, if we just take it on its own, at its simplest, it literally means the absence of conflict. That's what harmony means. Harmony means the absence of conflict. It means that there is no conflict. Now, that is not in itself a bad thing. The absence of conflict is actually a good thing. You'd rather have a family that is in harmony, a marriage that is in harmony, a country and a society that is in harmony. The danger is, if we search for harmony alone as an end in itself, we could potentially have big, big problems. Because you could have a superficial sense of harmony, an absence of conflict on the surface, but all kinds of problems sitting just underneath. You could have an abusive home, an abusive household, but the external observer comes along and doesn't really perceive any problems. It might seem harmonious. You could have a completely failed and dislocated marriage where the husband and wife haven't spoken to each other for weeks and weeks, and yet to the external observer they might say, I don't see any disharmony here. They're not fighting. They're not arguing. There doesn't seem to be a problem. You could have someone who's just struggling with a personal issue and an addiction to something, to self-harming, to pornography, to gaming, to sex, to anything. But on the surface, it seems to be that they're living a life of harmony. There's no external manifestation of the conflict. So the appearance of harmony and harmony as an end in itself is not enough. That's what Jesus is starting on here when he says, I've come to bring division. I've come, he's saying that he has come to get past superficial harmony, to get past this aversion to conflict just for its own sake. Just the idea that we're better off leaving conflict alone. He's saying sometimes you need to have conflict. He's saying sometimes there needs to be division. If we're going to find true and pure flourishing and fulfillment and real harmony, we have to get past the superficial harmony. Just the absence of conflict is not enough. And deep down, we know that that is the case because deep down, while we don't like conflict, there are other things that are far more beautiful that we want. Things like love and joy and peace and relationality and friendship. Things like meaning and purpose and flourishing and happiness and fulfillment. We want all of those things as well. And so what Jesus is saying is holding on to this tiny little thing called harmony, which just means the absence of conflict, is pretty narrow and superficial and in fact can be quite dangerous. Now, some of you, I dare say, maybe some of the older people amongst us, including myself, will remember a movie called The Truman Show that starred Jim Carrey. I think it's old now. There it is. And this movie starts off with a guy called Truman Burbank who's living what seems to be a thoroughly harmonious life, a life drenched in ostensible harmony, the appearance of harmony. It's a very beautiful town with nice weather. He wakes up, he has friends, he has neighbours, he has a job, he has a routine. There seems to be, for all intents and purposes, the complete absence of conflict. On any definition of the word harmony, that's what you see there. But as the movie unfolds, we begin to see that the harmony is superficial. It's not real. It's not thorough. Because Truman Burbank is living a lie. 
everyone in the town is an actor except him. The whole town is a TV set. And thousands and thousands of cameras have been placed around the town. And they are broadcasting this man's life live 24 hours, seven days a week, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, as a reality TV show. But he doesn't know he's on TV. He's just living his life and everything else is fake. Everything is manufactured. He's living a lie. And the whole movie is really about him slowly discovering that he's living a lie and ultimately trying to escape. And it doesn't matter who you are or what you believe. When you watch that, the human instinct, the instinctive response to that movie is that we are cheering for him to break free. Why are we cheering for that? And as a spoiler, he does break free at the end. Sorry, that's not really a spoiler. The movie's like 25 years old. You, sh you should have seen it by now. If you haven't seen it, you're not going to see it now. He gets out, and that's the resolution, and we're happy about that. We react like that because we don't want to live a lie, and we don't like seeing people fooled. We don't like seeing people deceived. We don't want to see others or ourselves living a lie. And what does that tell us? It tells us what Jesus is trying to get at here when he talks about the importance of disharmony. He's saying there is something more important than harmony. Empty harmony on its own is not enough. Harmony needs to be driven by first principles. It needs to be anchored in first principles. It needs to be guided by something more important than it. Ultimately, it needs to be preceded by truth. That's where the Truman Show unravels for us, and that's what Jesus is trying to get through to us in this passage. Harmony for its own sake is not enough. It needs to be anchored in truth. It needs to start with truth. And so in that sense, truth is more important than harmony. So we talked about the search for harmony and the problems with it. Now we come to what is needed, what Jesus is calling for, and that is the need for division. And this is the uncomfortable part. We actually do need some discomfort, some division. We need to be stirred up. If there's simply an absence of conflict, that's not enough. We might need to look a little bit deeper. Those of you who are fans of the Harry Potter books might remember this quote from Dumbledore where he says, the time is coming soon, or the time is soon coming where we must choose between what is easy and what is right. The time is soon coming when we must choose between what is easy and what is right. In my view, Dumbledore is plagiarizing and paraphrasing Jesus. Right here. It's a clean lift from Luke chapter 12. Dumbledore says the time is coming where we have to choose between what is easy and what is right. Jesus is saying exactly that here. He's saying, choosing truth, finding truth, standing for truth is not going to be easy. There's always going to be a choice. It's always, there are always going to be times when it's easier just to go with the flow, to go with the harmony, to go with what other people want, to go with what you, your flesh wants or your feelings would dictate. And at that point, everyone has to make a choice between what is easy and what is right, between what is the absence of conflict and what is truth between what is easy and what is right. We see it here. Jesus says, I'm going from verse 54. He said to the crowd, when you see a cloud rising in the west, immediately you say it's going to rain, and it does. And when the south wind blows, you say it's going to be hot, and it is. Verse 57, why don't you judge for yourselves what is right? This is Jesus, thousands of years before Dumbledore, saying, calling each of us to find and stand in absolute truth. 
He is saying, you already do this. You see stuff and you draw conclusions. You find the truth by following the evidence. You see the clouds moving and you know the rain is coming. You see the wind blowing and you know the temperature is going to change. You have no problems in evaluating evidence and finding truth in day-to-day aspects of life. Why aren't you willing to do that with the big questions of life? With meaning and identity and purpose and God. And Jesus is here calling us to absolute truth. He is saying, yes, sure, harmony might be important, but truth is more important. And absolute truth is exclusive. That's what he's getting at. And we know that because he says elsewhere in his biographies, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Not I am a way, a truth, and a life. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Absolute truth is exclusive, and Jesus here is calling us to it. And he's even giving us the way to get to it. He's saying, just follow the evidence to where it leads. Just follow the evidence. It's what you do when you're trying to tell what the weather is, when you're trying to decide what to wear, when you're trying to work out what one plus one equals. You just reason it out. You follow the evidence to where it leads. And that's exactly what he's calling us to here. He's calling us to absolute truth. And he's saying that is what is worth dividing over. The need for division centers on the need to commit to and find absolute truth. Now, there was an American senator called, I think his first name was Daniel, Daniel Moynihan. In dealing with this issue of truth, because some people, and most people in fact, correctly believe that people should be allowed to think whatever they want, have their own opinions, the freedom of thought, right? The freedom of conscience. And Moynihan was in a debate with another senator in a committee hearing, I think. And he said, Senator, you have a right to your own opinions, but you don't have a right to your own facts. And this draws on something very important that Jesus is touching on here. People should have the freedom to have their opinions about whatever they want. But that doesn't mean that all opinions or all truth claims are equally true. I'm not a tall guy. I'm probably around five foot six, five foot seven at best. You may have an opinion on that. I hate short guys. I don't know why they keep bringing these short preachers in to hope. That's a fair opinion. You're allowed to hold it. I'm a bit saddened by that, if that's your opinion. But that's okay. You're entitled to that opinion. That's an opinion. What you are not entitled to is an opinion that seeks to make a truth claim about my height. So saying I don't like short guys, that's an opinion. Saying this Max Jagannathan, he's six foot four. That's not an opinion. That's a contradictory truth claim. Now, if I make a truth claim that I'm five foot six and you make a truth claim that I'm six foot five, one thing we know for sure is that we can't both be equally right. And this is actually a principle that Aristotle talked about thousands of years even before Jesus. This is not a Christian principle. This is just a a principle of logic. And Aristotle talked about it as the law of non-contradiction. But you don't have to worry about that. That's a bit philosophical and jargonistic. Basically, all he's saying is, you can't have two opposing truth claims that are equally true to the extent of the inconsistency. Right? So my wife at the moment, we've got about three weeks to go, is pregnant. And someone might say, I'm glad she's pregnant, I'm sad she's pregnant, and have different opinions on that. But if someone says she's not pregnant, and I say that she is pregnant, one of us is wrong. We can't both be equally right. We can't say everyone has their own truth, it's okay, let's just agree that she's pregnant and she's not pregnant, um, and, and we all respect each other and human dignity, and let's just have a community of harmony here. Right? That's the irrationality, that's the nonsense that Jesus is calling out. We have 
an entitlement to our own opinions, but not to our own facts. From Dumbledore to Senator Moynihan to Aristotle, and affirmed in the middle of it all by Jesus Christ himself. Absolute truth is exclusive. And if harmony needs to be anchored by a first principle, what Jesus is telling us here is that that principle is truth. The question then becomes, how does that actually play out? Because it's still an uncomfortable question to have to choose between truth and harmony. If you're anything like me, so far, hopefully you will understand a bit better why Jesus is saying what he's saying. But it's still not easy. It still doesn't feel convenient or comfortable. It still stirs us up a little bit. So I've talked about the search for harmony. Then I've talked about the need for division. Thirdly and finally then, the hope for truth. How do we bring this all together and make sense of it in a way that we can all walk out of here not feeling so uncomfortable about this passage? The hope for truth. And the reason we need to find a way through this is because the choice between truth and harmony is not a choice that we can actually happily make. Even if Jesus tells us truth is more important, deep, deep down, we don't want to let go of this yearning for harmony. Because the reality of the choice, we articulated it and we titled the message today as truth or harmony, or truth versus harmony, or what is more important, truth or harmony. But we could have just as easily titled it, which is less undesirable, lies or conflict. Because that's really what we're choosing, right? Because the flip side of truth is lies. And the flip side of harmony is conflict. And that's an ugly, that's an even uglier sounding choice. Which one do you like more? Lies or conflict? Which one do you prefer more? Lies or conflict? So then the question becomes this. Is there a way, is there a truth through which we can still have harmony? Can we escape this choice by getting both? Is there a way we can have truth and harmony? We can avoid the choice. And thankfully there is. And it's tucked away very carefully at the beginning of today's passage in two very short phrases. Verse 49, I have come to bring fire on the earth and how I wish it were already kindled, but I have a baptism to undergo and how distressed I am until it is completed. Before Jesus starts swinging at this problem of superficial harmony, he says, I have come. First three words of the whole passage. And then in the next verse, he says, I have a baptism to undergo. And there we see it. There's the answer. The way that we can achieve authentic harmony through truth is through the person of Jesus Christ. Anywhere else in the world, if we throw God out of the picture, if we throw this out and try and deal with this issue on our own, we have to choose between truth and harmony. There's no way around it, logically and rationally, as I've already spoken about. You have to make a choice. The only way to avoid the choice is to choose Jesus. And I know, as I said earlier, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Here he's saying, I have come. I have a baptism to undergo. What's he talking about? What he's saying is something that we all need in order to correct our misunderstandings of what disharmony actually is. When you and I think of disharmony, we think of conflict between people. 
right? We think of disharmony in our friendship groups, we think of disharmony in our marriages, disharmony between countries, disharmony between races, disharmony between people of different religious worldviews, disharmony between people who disagree on vaccinations, who disagree on Russia and the Ukraine, who disagree on Will Smith and Chris Rock. These are all the contexts in which we think about disharmony. Jesus is saying the deepest, most important sense of dis deepest, most important manifestation of disharmony is not between people. It's the disharmony between each of us and God. That's the primal disharmony that we have to deal with first. And he is saying, I have come to deal with that for you. I have come to deal with the deepest disharmony, which is between you and me and God. That's the disharmony we have to tackle. That's the harmony we have to achieve first. And it happens through a person. Jesus Christ. Every other worldview, truth is a bunch of things to believe. But according to the Christian message, truth is a person. And so living in that truth is not just believing something, it's actually being in relationship with someone. Jesus says, here I am, I stand at the door and knock to anyone who answers and opens up the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. He's not talking about a bunch of stuff to believe in. He's not talking about a philosophy. He's not even talking about a religion. He's like, religion, philosophy, things to believe in, they won't get you anywhere. You need a relationship with God himself. That's why I've come. Everything else, every other worldview will tell you to believe in this, this, and this. Not the Christian message. The Christian message says truth is embodied as a person. Someone for you to be in relationship with. That's how that works. And so Jesus is saying, through this, you can have harmony with God. This is a God who stepped into the world as a person, took all of the brokenness and disharmony onto himself, went to a cross, did away with it, and now is inviting us into loving relationship with him, smashing the barrier of disharmony between you and me in our natural state, so broken, so messed up, incapable of relating to God, dead to him in our sins. Now we can have that relationship with him. It's because on the cross, Jesus experienced the worst kind of disharmony possible. God the Father separated from God the Son. Because he experienced that disharmony for you and me, now we get to experience perfect harmony with God, with that same God through Jesus. Only after we are in harmony with God can we then have any hope of building Families, friendships, societies, and communities of harmony with one another. Trying to do that while not being right with God will never work out in the purest and most beautiful sense. And we have X thousand years of human history to prove that. We're more academically, educationally, and financially advanced than we've ever been before as humankind, at least in aggregate terms. And yet, all the markers of human flourishing and fulfillment and thoroughgoing, deep, authentic harmony, uh, the markers are just not there. They're just as bad as they always have been. In the 20th century alone, we killed more of each other than in all preceding 19 centuries again. And then we got the end of the 20th century and everyone said, well, you know, we have the internet now, we have better phones, we have more Marvel movies, I think this will be a better century. What happened 10 minutes later and we're at war again? Human brokenness and our disharmony with each other in our natural state is always the same. And it always will be until and unless we first deal with the deeper primal sense of disharmony. That disharmony and disconnection between us and God. Jesus Christ is the way we are called to deal with that. And when we choose him and we're in right relationship with God, then we are empowered 
to go and build harmonious lives with other people. And we're just much better equipped because we're not doing it in our own strength. We actually become vessels and channels of God's supernatural power, supernatural love, supernatural joy, supernatural peace, all of which we are incapable of generating in our own strength. And so what Jesus says here is that when you come to me and choose to be in relationship with truth, because truth is a person, then you become transformed, then you become creatures and vessels and catalysts of harmony. And not just of that, of far greater things than that. Of meaning, of purpose, of flourishing, of fulfillment, of joy, of peace, of love, of all the fruits of the Spirit. Notice that harmony is not in there. It's not a fruit of the Spirit because it's such a low bar. It's just the absence of conflict. Jesus has far more wonderful things for each of us than just the absence of conflict. But it's only in and through Him that we get to bring or we get to see the beauty of truth and harmony being brought together. So the question for you and me is not so much whether we choose truth or harmony or how do we deal with the dichotomy. If we choose Jesus, who's offering himself to us in relationship right now, we don't have to make that choice. It actually becomes a false topic. And with the Bible open, that's the only way that this question doesn't really matter anymore because you have the truth himself extending himself to every single person. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him, whoever is willing to step into that relationship. Now, some of you here are in that relationship now and that's wonderful. And I hope you use this morning as an opportunity to double down on that. Some of you are searching and exploring and I hope this is a catalyst for taking another step. Some of you have been in open rejection of God and running away from him. Or maybe you're in trying to walk with God, but you're running away from him in particular aspects of your life, where you're putting up a facade of harmony. Maybe today's the day that becomes a bit disharmonious, where you cling back to the truth that is Jesus Christ, to deal with the disharmony so you can move into a deeper life of flourishing and fulfillment rather than a superficial life that just seems absent of conflict on its surface. Wherever you are, you're going to have an opportunity in a moment to make a decision, to do some business with God privately. Uh, But before... Pastor Tim comes up. Let me just pray briefly over all of you and then I'll hand it over. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just want to pray over every single person here this morning and anyone who is anywhere listening to this on the live stream as well. I just want to pray that we would all find truth in you and we would all find that supernatural sense of not just harmony but fulfillment and flourishing that comes through a relationship with you. So I pray over everyone here, wherever they are, wherever we are with you, help us to take a step either closer to you, into relationship with you, or deeper into relationship with you. And in a world that seems to idolize superficial harmony, I pray that we would all be, as we go out from here for the rest of this week and beyond, agents of a deeper harmony and fulfillment and flourishing that seeks to communicate and manifest your supernatural love and joy and peace in the world today that goes far beyond simply the absence of conflict. We thank you and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.